Welcome to the Hobby of a Lifestyle podcast, a show that looks at how our passions impact lives and drive career choices. I'm Andy Gray, a former national and world champion kickboxer. During my shows, I'll be talking with athletes, coaches, fans and more as I delve into their world to find out what inspired them on their journey. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle. This week I am joined by multiple world record holder, fruity athlete, veteran, adventurer, physio and national ambassador for Army Cadets. I am joined by simply the zest, Sally Orange. Let's find out the whole story. Welcome to Hobby of a Lifestyle, Sally. How are you? Hi, yeah, I'm great, thank you. Good to uh, good to speak to you. Yes, you too. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast today. Sally, do you just want to let people know kind of what what you what your role is, what your hobbies and what your passion is? Because this you you're involved with so much and you do so much. Oh well, well, thank you. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, yeah, I um, Sally Orange. That that is my name. Quite often, people think that I've made up that name because of what I've gone on to do since then. Uh, but I, I was born with that, um, and I served for two years in the medical as a physiotherapist. Um, unfortunately, I got medically discharged in November 2019. But then um, one door closes, another one opens, and I was asked to become the national ambassador of the Army Cadet Force um, in January 2020. So that's a, a real honour to sort of um, represent our Army Cadets and sort of um, shine a light on what they're able to achieve um, and some of the things that I've I've done as well. I, I guess my my passions really are in endurance sports, whether that be running, cycling, swimming, um, you, you name it, I'm skiing, I kind of, yeah, and anything that uh, either sort of goes a long, a long way, not particularly fast, um, but uh, yeah, that, that just adds a bit of a challenge um, to, to things. Uh, and I like to kind of put a bit of a, um, you know, put of a message, a message behind quite a lot of the things that I've done as well. Yeah, it sounds like you really enjoy the challenge of pushing your body to the limits. Yeah, I, I think I, I know that mentally, um, you know, I, I suffer. I'm quite open about the fact that I, I suffer I'm quite severe with anxiety and depression. Um, and I know that my body has been pushed, or my mind has been pushed to really the brink of some very, very dark places, yeah. you know, the, the brink of suicide on a number of occasions. Um, and, and I think sometimes that's what I use then to to show what the, the physical body is is able to achieve, able to achieve. Obviously, being a physiotherapist for, you know, a number of years, yeah. I get to see what the body is capable of um and yeah you know just just try and show people what what it is capable of um uh, when it works well with the mind as well but no it's it's fantastic and thank you for being so open i mean if we before we even go back to the beginning you, you hold a number of world records do you just I and mean, we will we'll get to them and we'll we'll obviously get to the point of how, how you end up taking up these challenges but do you just want to kind of list a couple of the world records that you've achieved well i've got i've got six Guinness World Records, but um, but eleven sort of uh, world records um, altogether. Some of them aren't recognised by by Guinness, and by yeah. that I mean things like. Um, so I set up the first all female team to do the race across America. So we cycled yeah. from the west coast to the uh, east coast of America. 
So crossing 13 states over 3,000 miles, three mountain ranges. And we managed to do that in eight days and 12 minutes. Um, And that was a group of um, wounded, injured and sick uh, females. So we had a hand cyclist, a recumbent cyclist, uh, an amputee, a partially sighted, myself with mental health problems. So, But that's not recognised by Guinness because obviously the disabilities would be hard to to replicate in an exact yeah. same same team and, and the same as a, another one of those records is um it is something called the arch to arc so it was a a, a pretty epic triathlon um and it was an all-female team again of wounded injured and sick people and we we ran from marble arch to dover we wow. swam the channel and then we cycled from calais to the arc to triumph wow, um, so we we got the the record for the um the the fastest um disabled team but also the fastest female team as well that record hasn't yet been been beaten so wow. there there when i say things that aren't guinness world records but then the guinness world records are um fastest marathon dressed as a piece of fruit um <laughs> i wonder why you did that <laughs> <laughs> i wonder <laughs> um and it's sort of uh, t- 10 years on from that, I did the fastest marathon dressed as, as a nut. So I'm completely fruity and nuts. Um, <laughs> I like it. And with that one, I had a sign, it was the London Marathon, I had a sign on me that said, nuts about mental health, together we can crack it. Um, so for me, that was really getting the, the mental health message into the Guinness, the Guinness Book of Records. Mm. Um, and also on the mental health theme, I was part of a team that did the world's deepest underground marathon. So on World Mental Health Day, um, I organised a a marathon in a mine that was um, a mile underground and called it Beneath the Surface because you never know what's going on beneath the surface. Um, And it was really, you know, to sort of highlight that. And at the same time, um, we managed to get the Army cadets to do their own Guinness World Record. And we organised for them to do a 24-hour online mental health training awareness programme. And they all came together and got themselves a Guinness World Record for the most online users to participate in a 24-hour mental health awareness programme. Wow. And that's something you kind of brought to the brought to the forefront once you became an ambassador for the cadets it is yeah yeah because wow. I because I am so passionate about um you know people being open and, yeah you know about their, their um their mental fitness and for so many years I struggled and I and I hid it and I yeah I, I didn't want to tell anyone there's so much shame and stigma attached yeah, of to course. it and I don't want young people to to grow up in that way because actually if you think of a, you know, my background, as I say, as a physio, if you have an ankle injury, you get help with it. And yeah. the quicker you get help, the quicker it gets better and probably doesn't become a long term problem. Yeah. Whereas if you leave that ankle injury for, for a while, don't really get the rehab that you need. It probably always niggles away at you. And I, I think that's the same with, with mental health as well. So I yeah. want young people to know that if they do have, you know, a, a problem, if there's something that's bothering them, if they talk about it, if they get help. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that impacts them for the rest of their their life. Um, so I'm really, yeah, really want to get that message over to to young people. So um, that's that's why I do some of the things that, that I do, and and even the, you know, even dressing as a, as a piece of fruit. The reason I I do that, I 
I've ran just over 70 marathons now um, and mainly dressed as different pieces of fruit um, because it makes people smile. It makes me smile. It's very hard not to smile when you're running dressed as a strawberry (laughs) or a lemon or an orange. Um, But also people come up to me and they they smile and they say, why, why the, you know, why the lemon, the orange? And I explained that I'm raising awareness of mental health. And, and so many times people have said to me, I have a problem or I know someone who has a problem. And it really subtly starts that conversation. Yeah, you know, yeah, I haven't got something on me that says, come and talk to me about mental health, because that would put people off. Yeah, uh, of course. I think. Um, whereas doing it this way, if they don't want to talk about it, then they just go back to talking about the costume. Um, but as I say, it's opened up many, many a conversation. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the beauties of, of running or cycling is because you're not looking at the eyes of somebody else, you're not sitting opposite them. Um, yeah. People tell you so much more than um, if you, you know, if, if you were looking at them. Yeah. So I've had, you know, dressed as pieces of fruit. I've, spoke about suicide so so many times um and i don't know if it just lightens the the conversation yeah Um, i can totally understand that there's a um there's a lady that I, that I know here in the area I live in, she set up a charity called Red Balloons and, and that is all around kind of walking and talking and running and ranting. It's all around mental health. And I think because it's not such a the taboo subject that it used to be now, people are a lot more up the top of again, giving them that setting where they can be comfortable and you know if they're just having if they're doing exercise whilst talking about it it's easier than just being sat in a room and maybe it's it, it maybe it's an uncomfortable setting for them. Um, yeah so and that you know that's twofold as well. That's yeah. because people are exercising at the same time of as course. talking. So yeah. um there's a bit of distraction there um in, in different ways. So when you're talking you you don't always focus on the pain that you're perhaps yeah, yeah. feeling of, of the actual event that you're doing or, or the exercise that you're, you're doing yeah so, no, yeah, that's amazing. Sort of, yeah absolutely okay well let's go all the way back to childhood then um and let's let's find out the journey of what led you to where you are now so kind of where did you grow up and what were you into as a kid yeah so i i grew up in in stafford uh, one of four children um not from a particularly uh, wealthy uh, family. My my dad was actually um, from Grimethorpe in in Yorkshire. Right. Um, so he he was one of eleven, um, wow. and so there was lot, lots of little oranges running around there. <laughs> um, and yeah, so um, just a fairly fairly normal. Um, didn't you know? Just went to a normal sort of fairly modest um, school, and. Unfortunately, at the age of 16, I ended up breaking my leg, um, which was quite prolific in my in my life, really, because I ended up being in hospital for, for a month. I needed surgery and I, I'd only gone ice skating for the day. Um, we had a we had a day off school and went ice skating for the day and somebody fell on top of me and my leg was broken. Um, and that really opened my eyes to what physiotherapy was and okay. made me realize that that is what I wanted to do um so it gave me gave me direction the problem yeah, yeah. was um you had to get really good A-level grades to to do that um it was very competitive to get into and I didn't get the grades that I that I needed unfortunately so I was determined so I reset my my A-levels um, but unfortunately, the next year I did even worse than I had done the year before. Um, I just got, you know, I was put so much pressure on myself to to get those grades. Yeah. 
So I thought, oh, that's my dream over. But then I thought, no, actually, I'm going to go to university um, and I'll do do a different degree, um, thinking that when I was on that degree, I could perhaps transfer over to physio right. if I went to a uni that had physio as well. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't happen either. So I ended up finishing that that first degree. Um, by by this time, my A levels because I'd done them twice, so I got six different A levels. They actually <laughs> spelt um, U dunce. Um, so because in them days they had an n for nearly yeah, and yeah, a, a, a u for you know unclassified yeah. so um so yeah it's still good enough grades to to go to uni and I did a health studies degree and finished that that degree um and then thought right I can do physio now because I've got that qualification yeah. so I applied again um so all these years I'd been applying because I kind of thought well if I um if I get onto physio, I'll just leave the degree that I'm doing because I that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. But that, as I say, that didn't happen. And finally, six years after I'd first applied, I got a place right. um, to study physiotherapy at uh, Nottingham University. So that was another three years of, of training. So although I'd first applied in 1991, in 2000, I finally qualified wow. as a as a physiotherapist. So it was quite quite a journey. I was just going to say, it's to quite the journey there. in itself, but it just kind of shows your mindset and the determination that you have. If you've got a, if you've got a goal, then you're going to achieve that, you know, kind of already it's painting a picture of how you've went and achieved so many world records. Um, what kind of things were you into as a kid? Because, you know, we're looking at all these endurance athletes all, all these endurance challenges that you do now were you sporting athletic as a child as as a child um yeah uh, I did enjoy enjoy sport but 16 broke my leg didn't do anything um at all again until I was 34 if really if I'm honest wow. yeah um I I remember very much remember watching that first London Marathon and thinking, wow, that just looks incredible. Yeah. You know, all the people watching. And I wasn't from a particularly sporty, sporty family at all. Um, but I distinctly remember that and thinking, I want to do that one day, except it just felt so far out of my reach to be able to do to do a marathon. I was just in awe of anyone who could who could do that. Um, and then I think it was probably due to a few drinks in, in the pub that I thought maybe all the best ideas happen there. I could, yeah, maybe I could <laughs> do the, could do the marathon. And I think one of the things that put me off was the, the fundraising because I didn't get a place for the marathon. Had to get a charity place. Yeah, and that was back in. To, uh, 2007 right. um so I think at that point I had to raise 1500 pounds and again yeah. I'm not from a background that mum and dad could go and ask yeah, yeah. um you know auntie's own so to, to sponsor um but at the time I was working in the army and I chose in my lunch times and my um after work that I would sort of do charity massages right. um, and ask people to make donations and that was how I was then able to raise the raise the money to to do it because oh, yeah. that was one of the the biggest biggest fears. But yeah. once that was done, I then had to actually run run the marathon, and I'd never done that that distance before. And actually, I decided to do it as a um, a superhero, so I dressed as Supergirl. Um, and did manage to get the Guinness World Record for the fastest marathon dressed as a superhero. Um, so, <laughs> and I remember, I remember finishing and crossing that finishing line, and probably for the first time in my life, felt like a superhero. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
yeah that that feeling of elation of just like wow I have just I can't believe I've just done something I never ever thought possible wow. um even was that though my that mind you on after that one because you've kind of as you see you cross the finish line it's like oh my goodness I've managed to finish a marathon what can I push yeah. my body to do now yeah ab- absolutely I mean I think first of all it was never ever again yeah. um but that that type two fun um very much of at the time it's not the best but after you quickly forget everything that you, you your brain yeah. has gone through of what are you doing you, you know that all that negative chatter that goes on during during yeah. the run um and then yeah. I actually did my second marathon in in Afghanistan wow. um so I, I was serving um over there and yeah, we we did a, a marathon around Camp Bastion. So I got a banana costume flown flown out and uh, <laughs> ran ran around Afghanistan dressed as a banana. Wow! I mean, so. <laughs> you know, that, it's incredible, and we can certainly we need to talk about it more. But let's kind of go back because you're talking about being in the military, being in the army. Where where did that decision come in that you wanted to to join the army? Not from a military background, in yeah, the slightest. Yeah. Didn't um, didn't know anything about the army. You know, even during my first degree, unfortunately, I didn't know anything about the army. It was only on my second uh, degree that I found out about something called the um, Universities Officers Training Corps, and I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. You can um, go and you could go skiing, and you could um, you know do all these kind yeah, of yeah. adventure training exercises. Um, so I I joined and got selected for, for that. Back in my day, um, there was no there was no army cadets, or certainly not for females. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I I grew up in in the eighties, and it just wasn't really known about. And that's why I really want to sort of champion the army cadets now for those young people who um, there's something that I would have loved. So yeah, of course. To try and let people know about that, that you can go and do all these opportunities, kayaking and you know, the Duke of Edinburgh's Award and, and so many, you know, so many different things and be with a group of people, have a, a community of sort of like-minded, like-minded friends. So, yeah, it kind of came from um, from nowhere, really. It was just literally being at the Freshers' Fair and uh, at university and, and seeing that. And that wasn't even my first year, so I missed out on a year yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't know about it, um, and then I ended up joining. Once I qualified as a physio, I realised that I could be part of the the army reserves um, and be part of a field hospital. So that's so I didn't go full time uh, initially. I just did it sort of weekends, um, and then ended up going full time um, and did sort of seven years full time. But then back to sort of doing it as you know reserves as well so wow yeah I think it was just the, the opportunities of being able to do all of those you know all of those things and just be with other people who'd got a similar mindset I guess wow I mean what was it like out in Afghanistan apart from running mar- marathons dressed as a banana <laughs> I mean that was pretty hot <laughs> yeah I can imagine um yeah I mean I would probably say it was it was the highlight of my career. Um, it was, you know, unfortunately the um, the injuries that we saw were horrific. Yeah. You know, absolutely, you know, horrific. You know, sort of double, triple, um, and you know, amputees. Um, but you know, the the learning that we got from that, and I think the development in medicine because of what um, you know what was sort of exposed and what what we what we had to deal with out there. 
Um, and and again, it was it, it you were in a very small bubble um, yeah. because you're you're sort of out there. It, in some ways, it was really quite simple. You didn't have to deal with the um, the whole thing of life. You just got on and did your job. Um, you know, you were with people all the time, and that was something for me that I knew when I got back that I would struggle with because I, you know, was literally working, you know, eating, sleeping, yeah. you know, with, you know, in, in a room with with people being there all the time, and so. So I knew that I'd suffer when I when I got back. But what I actually uh, chose to do with my my time off when I got back, because you, you do have some time off when you get back. So I chose to go and volunteer in, in India with a charity called Rally International. And I actually yeah, yeah. went to go build toilets um, in a in a uh, we lived in a tea plantation and wow. yeah, went went to build to build toilets so that I could be around people because I knew that I would struggle going from being with people to to being on my own essentially. Okay. Um, wow. So, so when was so it yeah. the, in your journey then? Because you know you're obviously a massive advocate for mental health, and you talk very passionately about it. At what point in your life do you think that you realised, or or maybe looking back, when, when your mental health really started to give you give you problems anxiety was it because you talk there about you you knew when you come home you were going to struggle to be by yourself you need to be yeah. around people yeah I, I knew probably two, 2004 um, was when I was first diagnosed with with depression yeah. um, and this was 2011 when I went to wow. um, when I went to Afghanistan so I'd hidden it all of this yeah, time yeah. you know I, I but I'd also started to learn to develop and recognize and that you know that was you know, I guess a bit of a coping strategy and knowing, yes, you'll go out there and you'll thrive because you'll be um, with with people. And, you you know, I felt like I had a real sense of purpose being there and helping guys who who were injured. Um, and, you know, it wasn't just the civilian injured. There'd be, you know, guys who just have training, you know, just go over on their ankle, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, just um, normal, normal injuries as well. They weren't all sort of um, combat injuries. Um, so, so yeah, sort of the coping strategy started to, to come in, in then. Uh, and I think often people think that it must be Afghanistan that caused the, uh, mental health problems. Yeah, and that of course. isn't actually, isn't actually my, my case. I know yeah. for a lot of people, um, they do, you know, struggle after they, they come back, but it was actually, actually before, um, but I just just managed to to hide it and manage it in yeah. in a way that nobody knew. Wow, wow, yeah. So you, you've come back from Afghanistan, and you've what kind of things were you doing to put these processes in place? Because you, you, you talked about you already knew when you came back you were going to struggle to kind of almost be by yourself. You like the environment being surrounded by people. Is that just because it takes your mind off? It kind of keeps you out of your own mind when you, because I know sometimes when I'm sat by myself, I get lost in my own thoughts and it's not always a great place to be. No, so, no. And I, and I think some, yeah, that, I mean, that's very much the case, but also sometimes now I use that time on my own to really think about things. So if I do go for a run, I, I might, almost dedicated to going right this is the time you're going to work through this or you're yeah. going to think about think about this other times it, you know it's complete distraction maybe just putting on a podcast yeah. um and and sort of lose losing myself that way but but yeah sometimes I use that as a time to go right you know you, you you've got a good couple of hours on your yeah, own yeah. now um and and for me that was 
therapy in itself almost because I I didn't like being on my own um I would use that as okay you know you're going to be on your own but you're going to be doing something so again it was a slight distraction from the fact that I was on on my own if that makes sense yeah of course no I I get that so Afghanistan you've dressed as a banana you've run a marathon in the sweltering heat yeah (laughs) Uh, I mean first of all why and how did that come about and then after that what was the next kind of challenge that you took on um how did that come about what do you mean the marathon in afghanistan yeah i mean was it just something that you you organized as the military or was it was it an event yeah no it was just it was just a, a military you know just on on a sunday um we didn't actually just get days off but yeah we just had a sunday morning where we thought right we'll go and go and do this raise money for raise money for charity um and i was back in the afternoon treating patients actually um so so um, for heat exhaustion who just finished the marathon <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we had quite a few patients after that actually, I can imagine yeah. Um, and yeah I mean that was only my second second marathon um, and I think I, I just I lo- I've always loved travel um, you know that's that's one of the things and I think I started to realize that I could perhaps combine marathons with travel and go and see a place but almost have a purpose by doing yeah, a marathon in that place and raising raising money i think i've raised for over 40 different charities now wow. um and i've managed to raise over um half half a million pounds wow. um and you know then it got to the point where a marathon i was able to do them so i went in 2016 i took on the marathon de Saab um in the in the sahara desert i wasn't dressed as anything for that i'm not completely yeah stupid. i was just gonna say you probably you couldn't yeah and, and i think you know there is with all these things there's also being sensible as well so you know that was um you know conditions that were were extreme you know yeah. real real high temperatures and then um after that I was very fortunate to be selected to to represent the UK at the Invictus Games Um, so I I competed at the Invictus Games also in 2016 Um, and then that was after when I started to realise maybe rather than just helping myself there could be other people that I could um, you know sort of long bring along on the journey as well and get them into having that discipline of needing to train for something and, and a focus um which is where I started setting up a couple of you know different teams to to do that and they don't always have to be um big big things um so one of the things I did during the the pandemic um I did I did a couple of things actually but one one of them um I I did a marathon in the London Eye to signify the the highs and lows or the ups and downs that the pandemic had had on the nation's mental health so I was isolated in a bubble and the wheel was moving forward and just sort of signifying that we were all in it together. I could only see anybody else through a screen. Um, so that was one of the things I did during the, the pandemic. But also wow. I worked at the I went back to the NHS and worked at the, the Nightingale Hospital. Um, and while I was there, um, Captain Sir Tom Moore, he he passed away, not yeah. not at the Nightingale Hospital, yeah, yeah. but during that time. So I chose to do a hundred miles or a hundred laps of the the Nightingale Hospital and dedicate every mile to a member of the armed forces and a member of the NHS so actually all I was doing was 
a mile a day. Yeah, yeah. But with that, I wanted to get people from the hospital to come and join me and make them realise that a mile is achievable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, people would say, oh, I, I, I can't run a mile. I'd say, well, doesn't matter, come and walk. Yeah, walk it. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, walk it. We, we'd do a mile and they'd be like, is that it? And I'd say, yeah, you've, yeah, just, yeah. you've just done a mile. So at the moment, I've got a challenge um, that I've given myself that I'm doing 7K a day for 70 days for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee to honour every year that she has... Um, you know that she's famed so um wow. yeah just a you know either walking running cycling skiing I, I rode it the I rode um 7k the other day actually um wow. but uh, you know again just when people say oh I can't do that well just come on a walk yeah, with yeah. Me. you know it's it's about just just over four miles yeah yeah um, it's not that which, far when you start breaking it down is it it's no and if you can ride yeah. it if you can walk it you, you probably do it in a day anyway Absolutely. And that's the big message is that breaking it down. Um, so what I'm going to do with these um, 7Ks is in um, at the end of August, I'm actually going to do seven times 7K in a day and do that for seven days. So right. I'm going to do an ultra marathon a day for yeah, 70 yeah. days. And I'm going to do it on a running track um, to, uh, and I'm actually going to call it uh going around the bend because when you have a mental illness you quite often feel that you're going around in circles but the message being that if you break it down into small chunks then hopefully it will be achievable um so i'll do 7k then i'll have a rest and then i'll do another 7k um and i can do that over you know quite quite a long time so um yeah that's where that's where that's going and then Following on from that, I'm going to be doing seven uh, marathons on seven continents in seven days in October. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That is absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, how, you know, is that something that you've been asked to do as a to, as a sponsorship thing? Is it something that you've just chosen to do off your own back? Because you look at you look at that and you think that the, the price attached to that is going to be astronomical. Yeah. Because I, I looked at the Arctic Marathon and I think it was like some about, Thirteen thousand pound, if not more, just to run an Arctic marathon. I was thinking, how can it cost so much to run a marathon? You literally run a yeah. lap, and I was like, oh my goodness, the price it it puts it. The reason not too many people have done it is because it's just so unaffordable. Yeah, so, but I, I think it's that it's almost going back to that message that if you really want to do something, you'll you'll find a way. So I did. I, I have been very fortunate that I went to. Um, Antarctica and did the Antarctica marathon um and actually next week I was due to be going to the North Pole um but unfortunately it's been it's been cancelled uh and and I have had to work really hard to go you know to go to people some of it I've self-funded um and that's my my choice Um, oh yeah definitely you know so I've made different sacrifices there to be able to um to sort of fund some of the things but then I have sort of gone out to you know to sponsors and sort of said you know is there any chance that you would would support me um and yeah so but with this one I'm actually working on a a big campaign with the army cadets because I I do want so many more people to know about it that I, I want to use it as a as an awareness, not and not just for young people. That's for for adults as well, because adults can join as a as a volunteer. Um, and I think as somebody who has volunteered for over thirty years of their life, 
for me, volunteering is just, you know, such a, a big part of me. Yeah. And if I can share that with other people and the benefits that it's given me, then, you know, why not share it and let other people know that they too could could do that? One hundred. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing. You know, I'm talking about the price of to get there, but I'm, I'm highlighting that not as a not as a negative. I'm, uh, the fact that you're going to do that, I think, is a huge positive. It shows the sacrifices that you're making, and in almost the the brand that you've created, and and the fact that people want to invest in you to bring you to do these, so that you can then raise more awareness. I think it's absolutely fantastic, and it really does show people that if you're willing to work hard and sacrifice, and you know, yes, sometimes it might cost you your own money, but is it a cost or is it an investment? I personally look at it as an investment for the life experience that you get as well and the the, the awareness that you raise. I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I, I you know, very much would would say that. I mean, when when I do a lot of these things, I I don't, um, as I say, I, you know, I'm from quite a quite a background where we we do count the pennies, yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, so I, I've managed to do things very very cheaply. You know, I I stay in youth hostels when I go rather than. Um, you know, staying in, in hotels. I mean, you can you can make things easier um, and do things do things cheaply. Yeah. It takes more time often, um, you know, so you're not flying at the best, you know, the best times for you. Yeah, of course. But I, I don't have, you know, I don't have children, so I don't have an immediate family that yeah. I need to also have all these people come along with me. Um, and I'm not... Um, neglecting anybody if I go away for all of these times but yeah. as you say even that's a sacrifice because I, I would have loved a family um and yeah I, I haven't got that it, sometimes it's just looking at what card you've been dealt and yeah. making the best of, of those situations so I you know I think other people are very privileged in that they have a family and a children you know children yeah. and they get enjoyment from from that um and that's something that i i don't have and i think that quite often gets forgotten that um yes i'm very lucky to be able to do these things which i i very much am but there are you know there's there's gratitude for other people in different there's certainly ways sacrifices that have been made which allows you these privileges and it's Ab- that way absolutely. Option, isn't it? yeah and i suppose you could look at it and say although you don't have children what you actually do for the next generation's commendable it's a, it's absolutely phenomenal the fact that someone who who still does all of this to raise awareness of all the different things that are going on will raise awareness of mental health make people understand that it's okay to talk about this and also be an ambassador for the the army cadets which is helping helping young people just to become better human beings as they grow down giving them more opportunity which is so i think it's amazing what you do Oh, thank thank you. But yeah, yeah, you know, I would have I would have loved my own children, but that didn't didn't happen. Yeah. And so, you know, you know, as I said before, one door opens, another one closes, or yeah. or there's just different there's different paths on the journey for for different people. And it's you know always remembering that. And I think especially with things like social media, where people can can be very very unpleasant. Um, I unfortunately have experienced some yeah. some very unpleasant things. Um, but yeah, I think it's always a case of, you know, actually just take a step back and look at what somebody has done to get where where they are. And I I like to celebrate other people's successes. I much prefer doing that rather than celebrating my own. It's it's easier if somebody else celebrates my successes. Yeah. But I much prefer to do it of of, of other people. Um and yeah, you know, I think it's always worth having having that vision of just what have other people gone through 
or why are they doing it? There's often a you know a reason why they're they're doing things, and just being a bit more compassionate about as to why people are, are doing things. Really, yeah. I think it would be a nicer world if uh, if people did that. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So you've got some absolutely huge challenges lined up. Are, are you constantly? Uh, are you one of those people who's just constantly thinking of what's my next challenge going to be? Not consciously. Um, just when you're just, running. <laughs> yeah, things things do just things do just just come up. Um, and, and you know, again, I you know the North Pole Marathon that that has been cancelled this year, but I'm actually still going to go to Svalbard, um, which is where we were going to then get to the North Pole, and I'm skiing coast to coast um, across uh, across there. So. You know that that didn't quite turn out as it should be this year, but why not give it a go and yeah, um, yeah. you know pull pull all my kits and you know my pulk and everything behind me, um, and yeah, just put myself to to a different different it's, challenge. It's amazing. I, you know, I'm sat here listening to some of the stuff that you've done, some of the stuff you want to do, and I've been really really fortunate with the podcast. I've spoke to some just phenomenal people and people like yourself who just go and do lots of crazy challenges. And I'm just thinking, if I could team you guys all up together, <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what what would you come up with? I know we obviously got a mutual friend in Instagram and Rob Pope. He, I know he's yeah. he's done the um, the marathon in the Sahara and then obviously he created the Forest Gump run. I'm thinking of people like Josh Stinton, who is in Norway, who's going to run the marathon in a, in a blimp. All right. Yeah. And then Justin True, who's going to do the world's largest triathlon. So he's going to swim from the Bahamas over to Miami. He's going to cycle from Miami over to California. Then he's going to do a 600 mile run. And I'm just. Is thinking, he going to do it as a piece of fruit, though? That's what I want to know. Um, he'd probably be, eat, probably be eating fruit <laughs> as he does it. He might sink if he swims that far as a piece of fruit. <laughs> and then, you know, I just think about some of the amazing people. And I just think if you guys were in a room together, what on earth would you come up with? <laughs> <laughs> it would be incredible. I've, I've done that with, uh, yeah, I've done that with, you know, I, I was very lucky last year. I, I ran the length of Iceland um, dressed as a pea pod on, on that one. But, it's uh, very lucky, yeah, very lucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, Sean Conway was on that, so he was, wow. um, you know, do it, doing that. And then I have teamed up with um, some veterans. In fact, next month we're rowing the, the channel um, and then I've teamed up with a group of really inspiring veterans for, for next year um, who we're going to be swimming the channel. Um, but one of those had a really severe stroke at the age of 40 um, with special forces, lieutenant colonel, and, um, you know, his speech is affected, his right hand side is affected. Another one of those is, is an amputee, was a Marine who was an amputee, um, you know, each who have their own individual stories. So we, we are coming together to kind of show that through adversity, you still can go on to achieve, um, you know, certain things and, and hopefully make other people, if they haven't got um, the huge adversity, we, we all have some kind of adversity in, yeah. in life um because that is life it's it's challenging it's yeah, it's it not uh it, it's not easy and you know if people who have you know lost limbs or been affected maybe can um can go on achieve hopefully as you say then it it, it doesn't have i think or, or what i always try and get it across is the message that you know it's great all of these massive wacky 
And it's yeah. great that some people are doing that, but not everybody can do that through circumstances, no. through you know, physicality, but but it's what everybody's individual little Everest is. And um, so and for some people that will be that'll be a 5k, that'll be you know a yeah. 10k 10k run, and that's absolutely fine. It's not wanting to put people on a pedestal and go, well, they are just amazing because of what they do. Everybody is amazing and everybody yeah. has a you know an amazing story um and it's just letting people recognize that that in their own little world just can they be the best that they can be yeah. i think is is what i'd like uh, yeah 100 agree 100 you know just just somebody doing a, a one mile run could just be yeah as you say you that know, could I, be the, their goal i would hate to you know to somebody having been somebody who felt for so many years that i wasn't good enough um and you know still that little niggle comes back because if you're comparing yourself to people that's the that's the biggest problem so just compare yourself to yourself what did you do previously and what can you do and sometimes that changes you know I know so many people who've had you know an injury that changes what they did before and so they look at a different maybe hobby or you know career that perhaps might not be physical i know some people who who've then gone to art um and they've they've changed or, or they've had a brain injury and they're not able to do the triathlons that they used to be but they've gone oh my goodness art i'm incredible at art yeah. or poetry um and so yeah you know it's it's just recognizing people's best bits of them really yeah. i think is what i'd say when you do the team events is it are you very conscious that you because every single team event that you've mentioned there you have a diverse range of people that are coming involved, whether it be kind of mental health issues, whether it be physical issues, whether it be disabilities. What are, are you very conscious that when you plan these team events or you discuss with other people that you have kind of everybody involved with that to, to, to demonstrate that regardless of what you're going through or what you've been through, there is there is kind of light at the end of the tunnel and you are able to push yourself and you are able to do something to raise that message? Yeah, I think, I think some of the... Um... You know, show, showing the diversity of people still coming coming together. In fact, just the other week when we were doing the other day when I was doing some rowing training, they said, "Oh, you're such a such a diverse group." Usually, we're used to coaching people who are all the same, so they would make a very good team to win. Yeah, um, you know, if they're all the same with rowing, if they were all the same height, if they're all the same, uh, you know stroke length or all that kind of thing whereas you know the cox was there saying oh you're 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 all different and so that means that you don't all fit together naturally but again i think it's i mean when when in life are we surrounded by people who who are all the same there's so often somebody who is a bit different um and that's the great thing about us being completely unique um is that we are we are all different different so it's yeah it, it's just showing that at, as a team we have strengths and weaknesses yeah. and if you use the the strengths you'll achieve together um whereas yeah it, you can't do anything on your own with some yeah. of the some or they would be very very difficult on on their own and I, I don't think I personally wouldn't have the same sense of achievement um doing something on my own than I do with the team because I like I like sharing yeah, yeah. Um, 
the journey and sharing the memories. You've then got people to go, but I've got a very good memory, so I forget a lot of things. But I I can be back with other people and they'll remind me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so again, the, you know, there's pro, pros and cons, even though I do things on my own. Um, I, I do like doing them with, with teams as well. Um, and uh, you know, the support you get with, with other people, but also you can give to support to other people as well. Yeah, yeah. No, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I'm going to ask you for two two messages. I normally ask people to give someone advice who would like to follow in their footsteps. You know, so if someone was listening to this, this podcast now and they thought, wow, you know, Sally's done some amazing things with her career, with the challenges. What would your advice be to me if I wanted to kind of go down that route? But I'm also going to ask you for what would be your one piece of advice to someone who's maybe going through a bit of a hard time and suffering from mental health, who, who maybe just hasn't, maybe they haven't realised it yet or they're just not sure how to ask for help? Yeah, so first one, uh, first question, though, I think I would probably say start small. Um, the The first step is often the hardest. Yeah. Um, whether that's getting out of the door to go, you know, to go for a walk or a run, it's I came up with a little hashtag for of mine which is juice do it um being orange um you know literally juice do it I I know Mike Nike might might not think uh Mike Mike from Nike might be not here that yeah exactly um but yeah you know just 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 start small um and and build because there's no point trying to run before you can walk yeah um, so I think that probably would be, be one of those that, you know, for me, none of these things happened overnight. They, um, I didn't wake up one day thinking I want to, want to do a marathon. Um, you, you build up and you start with, you know, maybe a 5k or, or a 10k. So it's that small, small chunks and, um, you know, looking at that. And then for, for people who are, you know, maybe struggling and not, not realizing, um, and, often it's it's other people that will point that out to, to yeah. people um you, you you might not recognize you know might not recognize it in in yourself and it it's like cold i i really hope that we get to the point where mental health is talked as as easily as a common cold that we all get them um we all feel pretty rubbish with them sometimes it develops into a bit more we need to take a day off work or we yeah. need to take two days off work we get better and then we go we go back again um and get on get on with life and you know i think it is a case of being kind to yourself and going i'm really struggling at the moment what do i need to do to make things easier do i need to ask for help from somebody else and that doesn't have to be therapy kind of help it could be just saying could you help look after the kids could yeah, you yeah. help with um you know the shopping or or just something to make you know maybe a little bit more time for an individual because quite often these people are giving and giving and giving to to others um and we do have to look after ourselves first because you can't look after anyone else if you're not fit yourself so it's that old adage of being on the airplane and putting your oxygen mask on first um so that you can then then look after others and also i think i realized over time that i like helping other people so by asking someone for help, you're actually offering the opportunity yeah. to make somebody else feel better. Yeah, it's a really um, good way of looking at it, yeah. So, you know, if someone said to me that they weren't feeling great, the first thing I would do is, what can I do for you? 
um, because I would want to I would want to help. So we we have this kind of clash between not wanting to ask for help, yet people really like to help. You know, look at look at Ukraine. You know, all we've, yeah. we've we've said we you know we we want to help people. We feel helpless if we can't do anything, yeah. and that that internalizes and we don't feel great about ourselves. So yeah, you know, it's it's just wrong that we feel that we can't ask for you know ask ask yeah. for help. No. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's just reframing it and changing the way that that you're looking at it and saying, well, actually, I'm just giving somebody else the opportunity to feel good yeah, um, really like by that. by being helped. Yeah, change the narrative, isn't it? I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. It. That's excellent. Sally, thank you so much for coming on Hobby of a Lifestyle. I've really enjoyed learning about your journey. Oh, thank you very much for, for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's been great to chat to you. That's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hobby of a Lifestyle. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time.